Hello everyone and welcome back to Digging Through Dominoes. I'm your host Terry Anderson and in this podcast we dig through the dominoes of our past so we can have a brighter future. Today's topic actually came from an email I received or a message I received, a DM from a woman The message that I received on one of my Facebook pages, Digging Through Dominoes, asked or said, would love it if you would speak about how to correctly ask for help. I know you say to talk to a psychiatrist, but where do you start? With my 60 years of baggage, I'm your age with many of the same trauma and I'm diagnosed bipolar one, and PTSD. It's kind of scary right there. But I feel I'm merely a drug experiment by doctors with never having been to therapy. Whoa. That sounds just like me. That's exactly how I felt. I felt before I found my perfect team for me, I used to tell people I felt like I was being held together by Band-Aids. The first thing they wanted to do was, as in one of the previous episodes, they diagnosed me with bipolar disorder. Just checked boxes. They didn't get to know me, didn't ask really anything in depth. And at that time, I really, I was new to all of this for me. I had done it for my kids, but not for me. So this was all sort of a new thing. And I think I had been in a numbing state for quite some time. So I didn't really know who or what to, I didn't know where to start. And I started with my family doctor who just, I felt like she says, just experimented on me with Prozac, with Zoloft, with, I can't even remember everything that, it was all pharmaceutical, all pharmaceutical. This will make it better. This will make it go away. Well, yeah, it chilled me out, but it didn't help that nagging feeling inside What got me to seek help for my complex post-traumatic stress disorder was when I ended up in a behavioral unit. And I think that is episode one or two of the podcast, if you wanted to listen to that. And I'll also link it in the show notes below. And the first woman I went to was a licensed clinical social worker, the only one I knew. And she had been taking care of my kids and my foster kids, my adoptive kids. So I went to see her. It wasn't, there was no connection there. I felt the entire time I was being judged. I felt that I I couldn't connect with her. There was really not a connection there. So she referred me to a psychiatrist who checked boxes and prescribed more medications, no therapy, 
more medications, which really devastated me physically, emotionally, spiritually, being able to function. I feel just like this woman says, I felt like an experiment. They were just throwing meds at me. One of the meds made me gain like 50 pounds in two weeks. I mean, that's probably an exaggeration, but it was horrible. Absolutely horrible. Another one put me into a state. I used to be a writer. I have to to, um, differentiate that from a motorcycle rider to more like an author. And when they put me on, um, I think it was Lamotrigine, Lamotrigine, Let's just go with the brand name Lamictal. All my creativity went away. I felt like a zombie. I felt like I was in a fog. All I did was sleep. It was, it was horrible. Well, then that psychiatrist, I was seeing her. I didn't know any better. And I know a lot of you don't know any better because we are, I feel, in my opinion, I am no doctor. I'm just a survivor of this insidious situation. And I forgot what I was going to say. I just felt like they were throwing medications at me. And as I've said before in previous episodes, it was when the so-called ACA came into effect, doctors and private practice were jumping ship left and right, especially in the mental health field, field in my experience, if they weren't with an established practice, they didn't know what was going to happen. They didn't know how they were going to get paid. There were just huge, huge concerns for them. And it directly affected the patients. Oh, if you guys are watching this on video and you see like a little blurring on the screen, um, I dropped my vlogging camera when I was on a trip with my son and I totally cracked the protective filter and I can't get it off. So I'm waiting for the new one to come in. Just want to let you know. Anyway, she quit quite quickly and sent me to another psychiatrist who I saw for a few months. She quit, sent me to another psychiatrist who I saw for a few months. She quit, and she was, she was kind of funky anyway. Um, the vibes, I just wasn't getting. A lot of the people felt very cold to me. Somehow, I ended up with the most incredible psychiatrist in the world for me. And that was an unusual experience for me because from the start he was very caring he is he does my medication management for me and at the time I saw him I was in a in, I was in a bad way I was in a really bad way I was probably at the lowest I've ever been and I'm not sure how I found the therapist that I'm seeing right now I certainly didn't do a lot of research like this woman is asking how to find you know, what, what doctor may suit you. I just lucked out with my team. I have my psychologist who I see weekly, virtually now. 
and also my psychiatrist who manages my meds, especially my seizure medications, which I was left with as a byproduct of one of the misdiagnosed, misprescribed antipsychotics I was put on because they thought I had post, I post, I had bipolar disorder. I didn't. It was probably a couple of years into therapy with my psychiatrist, and I was seeing him weekly. That so he said, Terry, I don't think you have bipolar disorder. I think you have severe PTSD. Now, in America, I think you've heard me say this before, it's not in the DSM-5 as an official diagnosis, but it's becoming more and more prevalent. It is recognized around the world as an official diagnosis. So at that time, I was just diagnosed with PTSD, severe PTSD. And we started kind of working on that. Now, here's where the problem came in. And I, I think a lot of people like myself who was in a, a situation where I thought the problems of my adulthood, the problems in my marriage, the problems with my kids, I thought that was what was affecting me. So it took, I had no idea about childhood trauma. I had no idea. I idealized my parents. Yeah, I remembered some things, but I kind of blew them off. And I never wanted to broach the fact of childhood trauma. So it took me a while to get into that. But let's get into this. How do you find a therapist that's right for you? You may not know that you have childhood trauma. It took me 12 years into therapy before I realized I had childhood trauma and complex PTSD, along with emotional and narcissistic abuse symptoms. And it's all because I had wonderful doctors. I, I lucked into it. But one of the things you want to look for is a doctor that's a trauma specialist. You may not think you have childhood trauma issues. You probably do, but maybe you want to start with a trauma specialist. And that's hard, that's hard to do because a lot of websites you'll go to and you look at bios or you go to your insurance and you look at the bios. A lot of doctors will have 30 things they treat. That's kind of not specialized. You know, it may be that they're just starting their practice. It may be, who knows, who knows what, but what you want to do is find someone that's passionate about trauma, complex trauma, misdiagnosis, CPTSD, childhood trauma. If a website says that they're trauma-informed, how informed is that? Do they, do they show their modalities, their therapies, how they treat trauma? My suggestion is if you have nowhere to start, is that you go, you Google trauma, 
directory websites in your area. And the first thing I want to say about that is if they have the little word add grayed out behind them, just keep going because they're trying to sell you something and get you into their program. Things are flashing. I sure hope this camera's recording. And that's not what you want to do. If you, if you go to one of these websites, they're going to have filters. You can put in your preference of gender, uh, religious preferences, specialties, insurance, and that will give you a filter. Another way is talking to people, which I find very difficult and it's not really something I would suggest unless you know that this person has been in a similar situation because there is a stigma and people make people people are people. They specialize in what their job is and what they do. They don't specialize in mental health. But some people may know, hey, I've got a neighbor. Hey, I, I saw this guy. And he really knows about trauma. You also want to see, ask them, find several that you feel really want to focus on trauma, that that is their passion. And they have childhood trauma and they have lists different modalities of treatment in there. And you may want to have a session with a couple of them, two or three of them, because it's sort of like dating. You have to find the right fit. If you find someone you don't feel comfortable with, you're just going to waste their time and they're going to waste your time. It's not going to do anything. And that happened to me with my current therapist. I would go in and feel I had absolutely nothing to speak about. Everything's fine. I just didn't want to bring it up. And he very gently brought me to a place where I could make self-discovery. He was not leading, but I he was very interactive. A lot of the therapists that I had seen were not very interactive. They would just look at me and want me to talk. Well, that's not, I can talk in my bedroom for free. Why do I need to pay whatever the copay is to sit in here and talk to you if you're not going to help me? So you need to get a feel for the personality. If they click or if you click, if they're interactive and you want to ask them if they're up to date or if they know of some of them, ask them what some of the new, newer complex PTSD avenues, treatments, doctors are. And that would be something like if they know something about EMDR. EMDR, I'm going to read that in a minute. It's eye movement, eye movement desensitization, desensitization, eye movement desensitization and reprocessing. I have not done that, but I have heard but I have not researched that that works best with one specific traumatic event. You want to see if they, if they know of the names Bessel van der Kolk, Pete Walker, and what, they know, and what they know about the ACEs childhood trauma test. I scored 9 out of 10 on that test. And it, it's a really good predictor of childhood trauma. 
Then you want to find out what their knowledge is and where that knowledge comes from. Is it purely academic? Is it purely from a scholarly perspective? Is it from years of treating clients with CPTSD and that's their passion? Have they personally experienced CPTSD and understand what you're going through? Do they have empathy? Are they going to look at you objectively without the previous misdiagnosis? Maybe it is an accurate diagnosis, but are they going to look at you through a clear filter and make their own determination? You want to see if they're going to be, how interactive they are with you. How, what is your gut feeling telling you? And you want to ask them what their therapy modes are. How do they treat complex trauma? How do they treat PTSD? Is it talk therapy, somatic therapy, EMDR? You know, what is it that they do? What is their passion? What do they find that has worked the best? Or are they just going to throw pills at you? Which really, we we don't need that. That causes even more trouble. Another set of questions you may want to ask them is if they have methods and recommendations for self-soothing. As survivors of CPTSD, we get, self, we get dysregulated. And we get dysregulated sometimes a lot in the beginning. And our brain is firing in every single direction. And we are just like a hamster on a wheel. And there are techniques that they can use to help you self-regulate when that happens. Calm down and be in the moment. You also want to check out and see if common sense do they seem to have common sense are they looking at you judgmentally are they looking at you compassionately do they see you as a person and not just a diagnosis are they going to help you focus when it's safe enough for you to do so on the root causes of the pain and not just the trauma or not just the hurts. That, in my opinion, is a band-aid approach. We're just going to give you some volume so you can calm down. We're going to give you something so you can sleep. Don't worry about anything else. I'm not liking that much. Thankfully, my doctors are amazing. Can they work with you? And this is really important with a lot of people. It was very important for me Because I didn't know that I had the traumatic stories that I had until I had been in therapy for quite some time. But can they guide you through those times, those experiences, if that's something you're you're comfortable with, and have compassion? One thing that my doctor will say to me, my therapist will say, okay, what I heard you say, let me check in with you. This is what I heard. Have you thought of this? He never leads me, but he'll ask me, and sometimes it won't resonate, and sometimes it's a flesh that just goes off. Oh, my gosh. I can't believe it. Can they work with you without having to 
for you to retell your trauma stories in the beginning. Because in the beginning, until you feel safe with someone, retelling your trauma stories, in my opinion, can be very dangerous and put you in a mood where I'm not really liking this therapy. It feels yucky because your body, as Bessel van der Kolk says, your body keeps the score. Your body remembers the trauma. So that's really something that needs to be eased into. Are they going to push you before you're ready? And these are things you may have to find ways to ask so that you don't insult the doctor. Generally, if you're speaking with a doctor that is passionate about post-traumatic stress, complex PTSD, childhood trauma, they're not going to mind the questions because they know you're serious about getting help. If you go the route of looking at websites, website directories for trauma therapists, look them up, read their bios very carefully and very objectively. What are they saying they're treating? What are their passions? What is their approach to treating trauma? Do they list, as I said before, the modalities they use in treating complex post-traumatic stress disorder? Do they even recognize childhood trauma in complex post-traumatic stress disorder? How long have they been in practice? Are they certified in some of the modalities such as EMDR? Another thing that I think is really important to do is ask them if they have knowledge on how to treat physical symptoms that emanate from CPTSD. I do, and they suck. Thankfully, my doctor, I mean, he's so well-rounded. He is a trauma specialist. Like I said, I cannot remember for the life of me how I found him, but I am so thankful I did. Ask them what their therapy model is. I think I may have already said that. How do they treat patients? Do they just do talk, talk therapy? Do they combine different therapies? For me, one of my uh, therapists had suggested that I do either DBT or CBT therapy. And truthfully, I don't really know what that is right now because I went in to a center. I made an appointment and I went in. I walked in. The vibe was so bad, I walked out. I did not want to have to, and some of you may be different, I didn't want to have to tell my story in front of a bunch of other people at that point because I still didn't know what my story was. I think inside I kind of had a gut feeling what it was, but mainly I was thinking it was my marriage and it was my kids. I didn't realize the childhood part outwardly, inwardly, I know I did. Another point on asking them about their thoughts on medication. Medications can be very, very helpful in treating some symptoms so your body can calm down. We are already in a state 
of being hypervigilant all the time. Our on switch is on or it's off. And there are medications that are safe that will help you, you know, you're dysregulated and it helps you regulate a little bit more. And let me look this up here. As I was saying, there are legitimate reasons for medication, especially in the beginning of treatment. Or when you get into treatment enough that you're really pulling up the drags of the memories that have haunted you for so long and your body is just not knowing how to deal with it. One thing that I found really interesting in one of the episodes we spoke of, I think it was in the one about four F's, we spoke of how the amygdala in childhood neglect and abandonment is damaged. And the hippocampus, they work together to help memories. When the amygdala or form a cohesive memory, when the amygdala is damaged, we have those primal, primal fears and those primal strong emotion, but they can't be transferred to the hippocampus in context. So that just is like, I had someone comment on that video saying, oh my gosh, that makes so much sense now. I just thought I was paranoid all the time. No, dude, your amygdala is damaged. <laughs> and it's no laughing matter, but when it makes sense, it's almost as if it's a relief and, and you can stop focusing on you're the problem and realize, oh my gosh, things happen that I didn't deserve that have affected me. And that way I think you can more effectively work on what those are. Another thing I wanted to mention about medications, ask the doctor if it's a psychiatrist what they think of European studies. My psychiatrist tends to go off of European studies more than he does American studies. European studies are not for, for profit. American studies are being backed by big pharma. A lot of the time, in my opinion, that's how I feel. As a layperson that has been pelted with pharmaceuticals that have destroyed my body, my mind, my memory, have given me seizures. Ask them what they think. One medication a cardiologist put me on was propranolol. And when I spoke with my psychiatrist and was updating my forms, I said, oh, cardiologist Bush just put me on propranolol. And he said, oh my gosh, that's amazing. And that was about two and a half, three years ago. Now there's a correlation I'm going to get to here. So ask them what they think about this. There I'm going to read this here. There have been so many studies. Propranolol appears to be more effective in decreasing PTSD and comorbid morbid depression in patients with severe PTS scores prior to treatment. And this is from the government, actually, based on findings 
from included literature and they've got just all this stuff in Google it propranolol for post-traumatic stress disorder NCB NCBI propranolol administered prior to trauma memory reactivation decrease the severity of the PTSD the CPTS symptoms Reduced physiological responses like heart rate, skin conductance, blood pressure, and improved cognitive performance in the individuals with PTSD. Because PTSD does this real number on our body. It's not just something in our mind. Our body, like, like I said, Bessel van der Kolk in his book, The Body Keeps a Score, he explains all this, and it, it's amazing. Pete Walker as well. Those are two people I would buy every book they've written and read them. All right. And this one is talking about propranolol is one of the several protein synthesis inhibitors that have been used in animal studies to reduce the saliency of emotional memories. A recent neuroimaging study revealed altered amygdala and hippocampus Activity associated with propranolol-induced emotional memory impairment in healthy individuals. Now, well, here's another one, a dissociation. Propranolol can act to disassociate the state of sympathetic arousal from their recollection. So what... This was, you know, this has been a journey for me with my doctors, with my medications. And what the propranolol did for me, besides some negatives, I've got like the worst side effects that you can have. My, my doctor's taken me out of it, off of it. But what it did for me, and I'm putting this timeline together. It was about two and a half years ago, I started feeling less anxious and memories started coming forth and they were not where I was freaked out and trying to suppress them. I was letting them come out. I don't know if there is a correlation in the, my use of propranolol as well as I had gotten to a safe place in my therapy that I could explore the root causes of my complex post-traumatic stress disorder, my childhood, which I always thought was perfect, but you know, it wasn't. Whose was? So talk to them about that. What medications do they typically prescribe? Do, how long do they get, take to get to know you? Before they prescribe any medications, if they do, are they open to working with you? If you're anything like me, when I started getting better, I started researching everything and I take it to my doctor and he's like Googling it and saying, hey, yeah, let's try it. That he's amazing. He said it has promising studies. He looks, like I said, at European studies and he has saved my life. 
He's absolutely saved my life. And if you're working with a therapist and a psychiatrist, another thing to ask, if you have one that you like, ask them for a recommendation of the other. As it turns out, my psychiatrist I saw first, he knew nothing. He, he had no knowledge of my therapist. But now they have gotten together and talked several times. There have been some times that have been really scary for me. And they've discussed my case at length. They're willing to collaborate. And that's huge. They're not, they don't have this ego game. What that shows me is that they are in this for my well-being. Not a pocketbook thing. Not an ego thing. They want me to get better. They make me feel comfortable. They ease me into things. And they, they wait until the opportunity is right to suggest something if they feel it. What about if you have no money for a therapist and you don't have insurance? What can you do? Well, my suggestion would be to read Pete Walker's book, From Surviving to Thriving, Complex PTSD from Surviving to Thriving First, and then read Bessel van der Kolk's book, The Body Keeps a Score. And Bessel van der Kolk is on YouTube talking about this a lot. And he makes so much sense. He is so relatable. He is not, you know, I love Jordan Peterson, but he's so academic. Sometimes it takes me a while to digest what's being said. Bessel van der Kolk is like talking to your grocer. And I don't mean that in a derogatory manner. I mean, he just, you can tell it's his passion. He doesn't put anyone down. He's just, you know, this is what I found. He's been working in, in trauma for over 50 years. And he is a groundbreaker, as is Pete Walker. So that's where I would start. I would start with reading some books, watching some videos. Be careful what you watch because... Everyone has an opinion. I'm giving you my opinion right now. I have done research on it, but I'm still giving you my opinion. I have no credentials other than the scars left behind by narcissistic and childhood abuse that I'm able to recognize now and sort of deal with. Oh my gosh, what a, what a difference. But I forgot what I, where I was, so we're just going to go into the next thing because it may be what I was going to speak about anyway. If you don't have money, that's the topic I was on, read their books. Get the audio books. That's what helped me. I read the audio book or I listened to the audio book as I read the book. I have a difficult time reading because of my dyslexia and because I can get through a paragraph and completely forget what I just read. So when I have the audio and I have the book, I do pretty well and I can mark things. And my gosh, my, I wish my book from Pete Walker was up here because that thing is almost torn to shreds. I have gone through it so much. I've sent it to my brother-in-law. He is sending it out. He said it changed his life. It changed my life. It was the first time I really felt, oh my gosh, someone knows me. And then the same with Bessel van der Kolk. What a great guy. So I would start watching them. And then another thing that I've heard suggested, 
and I actually did this, but I should have done it in a different manner. Um, about 30 years ago, someone came up to me from church and said, we're starting an alcohol, uh, adult children of alcoholics class. Would you like to come? Like, why would you think I'm an adult child of alcoholic? I've never spoken with you. Well, I am. My father was a severe alcoholic. So I went through the group. And what do they call it? They call it, uh, what is their acronym? ACOA, A-C-O-A, Adult Children of Alcoholics. That was an amazing, amazing group because it really focused on the dysfunctional and toxic aspects of families. Now, if you go to an ACOA group or even Al-Anon, and those are people that get together and support each other with stories, if they have an addict in the family that has really impacted them, you know, those emotions can be very overwhelming. You don't have to participate, but it will give you an overall view of the dynamics. And you may recognize some of those dynamics. And some of those people may have good recommendations for psychiatrists and psychologists that may be able to help you on a sliding scale if you don't have insurance. I found many of my of psychologists and doctors that I've worked with in the past did have a sliding scale. I've always used insurance, but it just, you know, it gives you a... It also gives you an indication of how passionate they are about their job and about curing people instead of patting their pocketbook. Now, here are some things that are wrong. Things to watch out for. Beliefs that you may have that may be different. One is that all therapists are the same. They're not. It's like doctors, they have specialties. You need to find one that specializes in trauma. As I said before, therapy does work, but there are times you have, you may have to take a slow walk into therapy, speak to the therapist that you've, you're choosing to interview about that, that you're really not sure what may lie beneath, but this is what you're dealing with now. And then when you get to that safe enough point, you can start delving into those things. You'll, fe you'll have a connection with your therapist that you feel safe enough to say, hey, my childhood doctor molested me. My dad was a, an alcoholic. My mother told me she was going to throw me out in the trash. You'll feel safe enough to, to do that. And they're not going to berate, berate your parents. One thing I've learned is... I can say, my mother didn't want me. She told me she was going to throw me away. She treated me with contempt, but I still love her. My dad was an alcoholic. My dad abandoned me continually. But I still love him. I would also ask them if they're willing to work with you 
you have a feeling there may be other things going on, but this is what your, your issues are now. If they would be willing to ease you into speaking about more difficult situations. And for me, that took me putting together a timeline of my early years, speaking with my aunt and just feeling safe enough for that to happen. And I really do think that propranolol, because it's in the timeline, helped take the emotion away from the memory. And so I could look at those memories with very little emotion. And I didn't get overwhelmed. I didn't get freaked out. And I was able to work through them. Another thing I would ask is if they do inner child work. Inner child work to me at first sounded like a, a witch doctor kind of thing. I, for me, I felt really weird saying, hey, little Terry, I've got your back and you're going to be okay. But you know what? I've had some panic attacks. I've had situation run-ins uh, with my husband where in the past I would either have reached for something that would injure me or I would have swallowed a bunch of pills, gone into a complete panic, slept for five days. Now what I, I do is I go away. I realize I'm in a flashback. And I talk to little Terry, the little five-year-old, the little four-year-old that resides within me and says, you know what? I've got your back. You're going to be okay. You had no idea how to fix this when you were little, but I have you. You know what? It's working. I felt like an idiot doing it. I'm sorry to say that, but it's really, really working. So I would ask them how they work on um, inner child therapy. And, you know, you don't want to completely uh, deny or rely on their bios. I mean, my gosh, you can get a resume from someone that has all sorts of stuff and it's nothing of the sort of what they've done. Read their bios, how they're written, where their passions are, as I said before, and realize they're not all the same. It may take you some time. You may have to really look and find someone that fits you. What, my therapist, wh whom I adore, may not be good for you. You may not get along with him. Some of you may hate my psychiatrist. I think he's one of the best psychiatrists around. I mean, to help me get from where I was at my lowest point to where I am today is pretty freaking phenomenal. And I wanted to talk to you about EMDR. I know I mentioned it, but I wanted to put this a little closer here. My desk is a little cluttered because I've been out of town. All right, I want to give you a little bit of background. And this is for clinicians, but hopefully we... Oh, wait, here's one for lay people. That's us. EMDRs, Eye Movement Desensitization and Reprocessing. My therapist does this, and I haven't done that with him. It's a psychotherapy that enables people to heal from symptoms and the emotional stress that are the result of disturbing traumatic life experiences. 
Repeated studies show that by using EMDR therapy, people can experience the benefits of psychotherapy that once took years to make a difference. It's widely assumed that severe emotional pain requires a long time to heal. EMDR therapy shows that a mind can in fact heal from psychological trauma much as the body heals from physical trauma, although your body will hold that psychological trauma. EMDR, EMDR therapy demonstrates, let me see, the brain's information processing system naturally moves toward mental health. If the system is blocked or imbalanced by the impact of a disturbing event, the emotional wound festers, which happened to me, and I blew up my Mount Vesuvius and can cause intense suffering. Once the block is removed, healing resumes. Eye movement or other bilateral, and I know this sounds like weird voodoo stuff to me, but People are swearing by it, and the science behind it is incredible. Eye movements or other bilateral stimulation are used during one part of the session. After the clinician has determined which memory to target first, he asks the client to hold different aspects of that event or thought in mind and uses eyes to track the therapist's hands as it moves back and forth across the client's field of vision. As this happens, for reasons believed by a Harvard researcher to be connected with the biological mechanisms revolved in rapid eye movement in sleep, internal associations arise and the client begins to process the memory and disturbing feelings. In successful EMDR therapy, the meaningful the meaning of painful events is transformed on an emotional level. For instance, a rape victim shifts from feeling horror and self-disgust to holding, to holding the firm belief that I survived and I am strong. But from everything that I have read, I could be very wrong, EMDR works best on a single or a couple of post-traumatic stress situations. Not as great on childhood neglect and trauma, adverse childhood experiences. And when you're looking for a therapist, use those terms. What can you tell me? I'm wondering about the ACEs test. What can you tell me about that? I'm wondering about EMDR. What do you think about that? I'd like to know about self-soothing techniques that you use so I can get regulated when I'm dysregulated. I would also say, you know, I'm really apprehensive because I've been so traumatized. And I'm, I'm so tired of it. Can you please reassure me with the extra training the additional certifications you hold in treating trauma. You know, you want to ask these questions, but you don't want to be disrespectful in any way. I think if you find someone that you think you can click with, give us some time. You have to remember, 
with everything that we've been through, we don't trust people. And gaining trust in a relationship with especially a doctor, because you're going to be sharing your most vulnerable feelings, you need to feel safe. Trust your gut. Do your research. Have your sessions. Trust your gut. If you don't feel you're getting what you need, find another clinician. And I wanted to announce that I think what I'm going to start doing or try to do, I'm not going to promise right now on a weekly basis that I'm going to do this. But I'm going to, here and there when I can, I'm going to do fragmented Fridays like I did last Friday. I'll link that in the show notes below. And basically, it's just random stuff, funny, thought-provoking, whatever, that I happen to come across by unknown, unknown sources, mostly on the internet in the form of memes. They have helped me greatly. My last one that I did last Friday, published last Friday, people loved it. I think it was last Friday. I don't know when it was. But it says Fragmented Friday, Fridays. People really seemed to enjoy it. I got a lot of positive feedback in Facebook, on YouTube, direct messages, etc. Please drop some comments. Let people know you're there. Form a community because, you know, we need to be supported by people that know what the heck we're dealing with because a lot of people have no clue. All right, guys, signing off to for now. I hope the video version is going to work okay. Hopefully the new parts will be in soon. Talk to you later.